Amen. Thank you, Dennis and Denise, for that update. And good morning, church family. This morning I have the opportunity of introducing our guest speaker. Dan Crane served as a pastor at Fullerton Free Church from 1999 until earlier this month. At Fullerton Free Church, he oversaw pastoral support to a thriving seniors ministry, led teams in local outreach, assimilation, and counseling, provided oversight to 23 adult fellowship teams, and served as the interim teaching pastor for two years. Dan earned his BA in Biblical Studies from Biola University, his Master of Divinity from Talbot School of Theology, and his MBA from, from Capella University. Suzanne, his wife of 34 years, works as a registered nurse. They have two married children who are walking with the Lord and three grandsons. Dan restores his soul with time in God's Word and in God's creation, biking and sailing. Will you please join me in giving an e-free welcome to Pastor Dan Crane. Thank you, Luke, and good morning, Diamond Bar. Good to see you this morning. It was great to be met by Chuck and Judy outside and John earlier this morning and to have a text from Tim already and to see all of you. We have great history with Diamond Bar, the Hopper family and missions, their, their girls, and it's just a delight to, to be here. And to see the fresh sacred worship center you have here, I love it, and the wiggle room for young families to come, this is just wonderful. It's just good to be here in Diamond Bar with you together. We're looking at a text in um, Luke chapter 24. <clears throat> Luke 24, immediately you say, Luke, you're already thinking, oh, this is the gospel. It's about Jesus. You're right. And Luke 24, you're thinking, okay, this is the last chapter of Luke. This is probably at the end of Jesus' life. You're right again. You're way ahead of me. This is Luke 24. It's actually the last words that Jesus is giving before he disappears right in front of the disciples. The last words. And it seems to me like last words are always significant. They encapsulate the life of a person. Their last words. I think of the last words of David Livingston, who was a great explorer in Africa and a great missionary. He said this on his deathbed in Burundi. He said, I can yet see the smoke of the fires from a thousand villages that have yet to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That was David Livingston's life. He's buried in Westminster Abbey, by the way, a phenomenal life before God. Or I think of the other guy, Robert Murray McShane. He, through him, God brought the Welch revival. And he was on his deathbed at age 29, and he said this, Alas, God gave me a message to carry and a horse to ride. Alas, I have shot the horse and could no longer carry the message. Might be funny for us. It wasn't funny for him. <clears throat> but he burned out for God in a wonderful way. But that was his passion, to get the gospel and the good news out. Last words are important. And these are the last words of Jesus. And his last words are our first command. So let's read them together. Luke 24 from 44 to 49. <clears throat> and Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. He told them this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer 
and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Well, I love this passage and the passage even that follows, but this is all the time we have for the, this morning. Jesus said, is looking at his disciples, those that have gathered around, much more than the 12 now, and he's looking at them and he says, these are my last words. Take these to heart. The world will be changed if you do these things. And the first thing he tells them is that you need to have a life based on the Scriptures. If you're going to change the world, your life needs to be based on the Scriptures. In those first few verses, it says, he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. I'm not just talking to you. I'm taking you back. And he did a Bible study on the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms. Can you imagine? Tim's a real good Bible teacher. But Jesus gave a study. It, the interpretation was probably right. It had to be riveting. He wanted them back in the Scripture. From the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, <clears throat> how the Messiah would come, and this is all ordained. Your life needs to be rock solid on something. And it's going to be rock solid on the Scriptures. A life based on Scriptures. Now at Evie Free Diamond Bar, that's not news, is it? You know that. You know the Scriptures. You've read the Scriptures. But let me just refresh our minds what we have here. We have the words of the living only, the only living God. We have the words of God who now we know there's billions of galaxies. There's billions of galaxies in the universes. God made those with his power, with his word. He sustains them all, and that God speaks to us. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man and woman of God may be thoroughly furnished unto good works. We have in our presence the word of the living God who made billions of universes. It's living. It's active. It's powerful. It's wonderful. It soothes the soul. It gives us direction. Psalm 119 says, How shall a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. Thy word have I hidden my heart, memorized, that I might not sin against thee. The first thing Jesus took to his disciples was your life needs to be based on the scriptures. That's just a bump for us. It's just a reminder. Because we all have the scriptures we have multiple copies in our house. We have them on our phone. We got to remember, this is God's Word. And we need to be in it. We need to be reading it. We need to be desiring it. We need to be meditating. We need to be memorizing. Our life needs to be based on the Word of God. Secondly, he goes on to say, our life needs to be grounded 
in the gospel. Right there in verse 46, what he explains in the scriptures, as he took them to the scriptures, he says he told them, this is what is written. Messiah will suffer, rise from the dead on the third day. That's the gospel. Repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached. The good news of the gospel is not greasy grace, we call it, but it's repentance. Repentance is a change. Repentance is from following one master to following another master, from one path to another path. The gospel, when we received the good news of Jesus Christ, we changed. We became spiritually alive, and we changed from one way to another way, from dead to alive. Our life needs to be grounded in the gospel. We can't change the world. We can't navigate life unless the living God has a relationship with us, and we've opened our hearts to him. Jesus said clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That was the first song we sang today. We all sang it. John 14, 6. I'm glad Thomas asked Jesus, I don't know where we're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If we're going to be different, if we're going to change the world, our life needs to be grounded in the gospel. Now, we're in an age where relativism, pluralism is just rampant. All kinds of ways lead to God. I have a friend of over 50 years. He was in my wedding. We were in church together for 30 years. He moved on to another church, and this past week we met for lunch, and he said, Dan, I just want to tell you that I believe all ways lead to God now. I think the Muslims are sincere, and they're going to get to God. I think the Mormons are sincere, and they're going to get to God. And I'm going to meet with him this week as I look at John 14, 6. It says what? Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. When we think of truth, everyone says, well, I have truth. You have truth. We all have truth. There is no God, a lot of people even think these days. But the whole concept of intelligent design that's just booming in the scientific world that people are realizing, if you don't believe in intelligent design, you're not really a scientist. You're laughed at, actually. Because if you were to walk in a park in Diamond Bar and you saw a saxophone on the grass, you wouldn't think, wow, look at the molecules. Boom, came together. The keys, the reed, wow, the chrome on it. That, no, you'd go, design, right? Intelligent design. Or we look at our bodies. They say that each body has 30 trillion cells. Now, some of you have more than others. Okay, that, that's true. But each cell is a machine that does exactly what it's supposed to do. The eyeball does the eye. The toe does the toe. Whatever it does. It's amazing. We look at our bodies and we go, wow, it just happened. Not a chance. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He is the truth. While we're in our work world all week long, we don't get told that. That's why we gather together on a Sunday, so we can be reminded, yes, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The way. Our two kids have been living on the East Coast. 
Thankfully, they're moving back with the grandkids this month. I don't know why they're coming. That's amazing they're coming back. We've prayed for so long. But th- so we travel to the East Coast a lot to visit them. I have two, three grandsons, all under two. Wonderful little guys. So when we go to Florida, we always go down Santa Ana, take American Airlines. It goes through Dallas. If you're American Airlines, you go through Dallas. And the last time we went, we went up, put our luggage in. <clears throat> I do a carry-on. My wife does it. Well, actually, I do the suitcase. But anyway, we get there. We check it in. We get the ticket uh, for the baggage. Then you got to take it up to the guy. You show him the ID. And he said, Mr. and Mrs. Crane, you can choose any gate you'd like. I didn't say that. He said, gate six, that's the one going to Dallas. And I wasn't offended because I wanted to go to Dallas. Jesus isn't offensive. He says, I am the way. Come unto me, all you that are labor and heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. I'm the way. I am the truth. I'm the life. If you want real life, you come to Jesus. So the, Jesus looked at his disciples. said, you're going to change the world you got to base your life on the Scriptures. you got to be in it. you got to ground yourself in the gospel that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The third thing he says, you need to have a life empowered to proclaim. A life empowered to proclaim. He said this gospel, this repentance, this forgiveness of sins in verse 47 will be preached in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. He looked at his disciples, and thankfully, they did it. If they didn't do this, we wouldn't be here. We would be dead in our sins somewhere. But he told them, proclaim. They proclaimed to all nations, and thank God you and I are here. Thank God our parents told us, or a friend told us, or someone told them, and we are here. The truth is to be proclaimed in all nations, all ethnic groups. Diamond Bar is a great history sending missionaries uh, through Crew, through World Venture, through Reach Global, through Josiah Venture, to all nations. Each one is going to different nations. We are to go to all nations. And it says to begin from where? Jerusalem. You ever notice the three middle letters of the word Jerusalem? Look at Jerusalem. What are the three middle letters of the word Jerusalem? USA. Terrible exegesis, right? I'd get an F for that. But anyway, you'll remember that. They were to begin where they were. None of them were from Jerusalem, but they were to begin right where they were. They were to start sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. We know at Jerusalem at this time, there were people from all over the world, and as they shared the gospel in multiple languages, it just spread throughout the world, and it feels like we're in that day and age too, where people from all over the world are part of the world we live in. It doesn't take long. I think I'm the only Caucasian on my street. And it's wonderful to be able to share the good news of people from all nations beginning where we are. And that is the story of the Scriptures. If you take missions out of the Bible, you have Genesis 1 and 2. Everything's perfect. And you have Revelation 21 and 22. Everything's perfect before the throne of God. And between Genesis 3 and Revelation 20 is God's rescue operation. God reaching out to mankind. The whole history is God's story, His story, reaching out to reconcile man. It starts in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve are hiding. They've sinned. They're in the garden. And in Genesis 3, 9, God comes in the garden and says this, Adam, 
Where are you? God looking for Adam. Now, I named my son Adam so I could say Genesis 3, 9, and he'd come running. And it worked for a while. He's a Marine and bigger than me, so it doesn't, we don't play those games anymore. But God started looking for mankind. He raised up the children of Israel so that they would be a light to the world. He raised up the judges to rule Israel so that they would be a light. He raised up the kings in the children of Israel so that they would be a light and they disobeyed. God raised up the prophets and they called people, come back to me, come back to me, and they killed the prophets. God sent his son so that he would die for the sins of people. They wouldn't have to go through the mediaries and the the, um, the, the sacrifices, they could trust in Jesus Christ. Christ came, they killed him, but he gave his life so that we might have eternal life. And then the church, the Holy Spirit came upon the church. And what's the church to do? To share the good news. And thankfully, we have the book of Acts. They just started sharing the good news left and right. And as they shared the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ spread that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're here today because they were obedient. I think of men like Patrick, St. Patrick. We just celebrated in March, right? Every, you know what St. Patrick's Day when you walk into Walmart and everything is green? Or it just, it's just we celebrate it. But you know who Patrick was? 450 A.D., he lived with his family as a young boy on a farm on the coast of England. Happy life, a wonderful life. They were people of faith. But Irish slave traders came, ran through the area, captured Patrick with others and took them as slaves to Ireland. Patrick was six years there in the fields with animals as a slave in Ireland. At age 16, I believe it was, 16, he left, he escaped by himself. He wanted to get back home, and as he's escaping, he's running back home. He's trying to get through. 28 days, he's walking. He's completely lost. He's almost dying of starvation, and at last, he's found by his captors and taken back, and he's back there in Ireland another two years, but he trusts in God. He's meeting with God out in the field, and finally, at 18, a group of them finally made it back to England and escaped. And here he is. He's at home. He's in England. He's at the farm. He's with his family. And God calls him. He says, Patrick, I want you to be a missionary. And Patrick says, okay. And God says, I want you to be a missionary to Ireland. Patrick prepares, studies hard, returns to Ireland as a missionary, where in those days it was a horrible pagan place. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. Really not accepted most of his whole life. But he was faithful. A hundred years after Patrick died, they said there was a church in every village in Ireland and all started from Patrick's ministry. If you have any Irish blood, you should be celebrating St. Patrick's Day. Because God used that man to be faithful to share the good news of Jesus Christ. God looked at his, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, if you're going to change the world, you need to be based in your life on the scriptures. You need to be changed by the gospel. 
and you need to be empowered to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And if we read church history, we read biographies, it's amazing how God called people and how people stood up and how people were faithful throughout the centuries. We love reading biographies. You don't read biographies by the wife, typically. That's been my rule, because they're never, anyway, that's another story. But there are great biographies out there of good men and women. God is faithful to his word. I think of my grandparents. They were missionaries to China at the turn of the century. That's the last century. <laughs> my grandmother was from Switzerland. She knew French. She knew Italian. She never learned English. She was ended up in a farm in Santa Rosa, a young girl, pregnant, a cook. She met a guy there who was a believer and who wanted to go to China as a missionary. They got married, had eight kids. They went to China as a missionary and served. I knew my grandmother, and she could hardly speak English, but she knew Chinese very well. And they served there. One term was 12 years. They didn't see one of their sons who they had left here. And as they were in Guangzhou, Kaiping area, they, they had set up a mission where it was a Bible school, where it was a large church. It was in the area where there were um, robber towers, the Dailu Towers, if you know anything about it, where they had towers. When robbers came, they would scream and everyone would, would, would lock the doors. And robbers came when my father was gone a lot. He would go, my grandfather was gone a lot on the rivers, sharing, preaching, proclaiming. And one time the robbers came and stole my dad. He was six months old, uh, six months old at the time. And um, my grandmother traded him for a typewriter. So I teased him. I said, that was all you're worth. But anyway, a great man. But one of the things they did there in ministry was that it was a bad omen if the first child born in the family was a girl. So they would rub herbs in the girl's eyes and blind them. And then they would leave them out in the field to die. My grandmother started collecting these girls, and then they would leave them at her doorstep. And she had an orphanage of blind women that not only took care of my dad, but she taught them Braille. She taught them the Bible. They became Bible women in that area, faithful for generations, for, for decades, faithful. Of course, everything got closed in China. My parents, grandparents moved out. When my dad was 65, he went back into China to serve. He and my mom went back in for eight years. And they went into this area, and they found the old mission. It had been a fertilizer plant. It had been a chicken hatchery. And we thought the church was dead. <laughs> but the church was far from dead, right? Because the church is not a building. The church is people. And I remember walking with my dad. They said, let's go. We want you to meet this choir. So we went into this village, um, this, this town. We were walking up an alley. We were going up a stairs. We heard gospel singing. All gospel singing sounds the same in any language. We walked in there, and here singing in this room was a choir of blind women in their 80s. They were the women who raised my father. And just the reception and the love of seeing the faithfulness of people who said yes to God, I believe the word, I'm going to read the word, I'm going to share the word, and God blesses through faithfulness, through his generations. Just a wonderful reminder. And you have stories. You have stories of how you came to faith. I met Mr. Park today, who someone handed him a track, and he went upstairs, heard the gospel, gave his life to Christ, and now Tim's 
and his brother are pastors. And Mr. Park became a pastor because someone handed a track. Do they work? Who knows? I, you know, the, he did. God wants us to be purveyors of love and the good news of Jesus Christ. And we have that opportunity. A lot of times we, yeah, we have reasons we don't share as much as we should. A lot of times we think, well, ah, the people I know don't really look lost. <laughs> In fact, they're doing better than me. <laughs> Are they really lost without Christ? I remember as I was going through seminary, and I lived with a family in Downey who let me work in their feed mill to pay my way through seminary. And I worked with a group of guys, and I was trying to share my faith with them, and they would always ask me, Dan, why do you want to leave the best the world has to offer and be a missionary? To them, it was Orange County. They had all moved here. And it was hard to explain to them why I wanted to be a missionary because they really didn't know the Savior. And one day we did different, different things together and they said, let's go watch Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Now that dates me right there, right? That was a long time ago. So we went and saw this movie where Indiana Jones is jumping and diving and swimming and eating monkey brains and eyeball soup and all these things to rescue these kids from this temple. And as we're watching it, I just froze in my seat. Because as Indy and Shorty, his little sidekick, get into the temple and they're back in the balcony and they're watching down at the middle of this temple. Right in the front is the goddess Kali, four stories high, black disheveled hair, a necklace of severed heads. She's got four hands, one holding a knife, one holding a head that's bleeding, and there's two other hands holding bowls that are catching the blood. And right on the altar is a guy who's tied down and the beat of the drum and the priest says he's going to go right into the man's heart and pull out his beating heart, and he does. You've seen the movie now. But anyway, that's what it is. But I stopped because I've lived in the village of Kali. She's one of 330 million gods that Hindus worship, one of the most ferocious of the gods. I've been in the temple where they've cut off the head of a goat, and it won't bleed until they give the sign. They'll beat the priest's mother with a whip and she won't welt because she's completely possessed. And there's just a, a power that you can see people are lost. And at the end of the movie, the guys go, Dan, how'd you like the movie? And I said, guys, that stuff is real. And that's why I'm going to be a missionary. And George Sakbini, a Lebanese warrior, said, can I go with you? And he's not even saved. <laughs> but we saw, wow, people are lost. I'm still working with George. He lives in Corona right now. It's been 40 years. Someday he'll come to know the Lord. People without Christ are lost, no matter what they look like on the outside, how good they look, how put together they are. The scriptures are clear. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We're born in sin. We're wicked. We're evil. Our hearts are deceptive. And we need a Savior. We need a Savior. All our friends need a Savior. Everyone on my street needs a Savior. And there's different ways to talk to people. There's different ways to be light to them. There's different ways to share with them. Not one way works. One of the couples in, we have six houses on one driveway where we live in Brea. And one of the young couples, 
I was leaving for church one morning and they came and he said, Dan, you're a pastor, aren't you? I said, absolutely. He said, my dog's dying. Will you come pray for him? Absolutely. I'm right there. Are you kidding? So I held this, this big dog as they're crying. And I mean, my prayer had the whole gospel, right? We, we do the whole thing because um, God's a God of love. God, I mean, it was just wonderful. Building a relationship. Invited in where we can to share the good news of Jesus Christ. A life empowered to proclaim. We have the opportunity to share. The fourth thing he says is in verse 48. You are witnesses of these things. Now that doesn't seem too impressive, except if you know that the word witness is martyr in Greek. <laughs> so he looks at them and says, you're going to die for this. A life that changes the world is surrendered until death. It's all the way. All the way. I like Dennis and Denny's taking another big swing. You could cash it in. You could just sit. Doesn't even cross your mind to sit. You're going to go. Who wants to go to Washington? Anyway, you're going to go to Washington, which is one of the most godless states in our union of all places now. To be a light and to help missionaries along the way, we've got to be in it for the long haul. That's what God's calling us to do. Now, none of this is new to Ephraim Diamond Bar. You guys have great teaching. You're in the Word. You know the gospel. You've had a chance to accept the gospel. You've had a chance to grow. You know we're supposed to witness. We gather on a Sunday morning to remember, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. We have so many messages on TV, on Facebook, on the games I play, Scrabble. It's all messages. None of them tell me to go in the Word and be a good Christian and to share the gospel. Sunday mornings, we gather together. We must come together. The Christian life is a solitary journey you can't do alone. <laughs> it's a personal journey you can't do alone. That's why we gather. That's why the last few years has been so hard on the church as we've been isolated. It was just wrong. We had to do it, but it just was a ploy of the evil one to take people away from their faith, to make us lose faith. We are to do it together. That's why we gather together. That's why we're here together. A life surrendered until death. We are to follow Jesus. So the question is not, is this stuff real? We know it's real. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? When I left, I grew up in Trinidad. My parents were missionaries. My father went to be a missionary before moving back to China. So I grew up in Trinidad until I was 17, and I went back as a single missionary before getting married, and I'd go into Hindu villages, church planting, and it was just wonderful. Later on, we planted churches in the upper class, which were much more difficult than Hindu temples because they have less to lose. <laughs> they have more to lose. They don't want to lose their status. But um, anyway, that was another story. But in Hindu temples, I'd go into these Hindu villages, um, get a place to stay, make friends, play soccer, whatever you had to do, build relationships, share my faith, disciple, leave a church and move on. It was just, just a wonderful time. In one of these villages I was in, the guys, um, it was a strong Hindu village with a temple and they weren't too happy about my proclamation. I wasn't too happy with them either. But the guys came and said, Dan, let's go fishing. We'll take you fishing. Said, That'd be great. So we're just in, in shorts, 
and um, it's the old days, so it's like the NBA shorts, right? Shorts were small. Shorts were shorts in the day. But anyway, we're, that's all we have. We're walking through the sugarcane field. I'm following them. We get into the marshy area. We're walking on a path of just above the marsh. It's just mangrove water. And then I realize these guys, they don't have any fishing gear. And so I look at them. I go, now, guys, what kind of fishing are we doing? I'm thinking, this could be my last day on earth. They may be trying to get rid of me. And they said, oh, no, this is the tilapia. The, you just go down in the water and you stir up the water. The fish get disoriented. They stick their tail up, and you just have to pick them up and put it in the bag. You've heard fish stories, right? That's the first fish story I heard. Now, my mother tongue is Trinidadian. It's not English. I learned this watching Dan Rather on TV. But you, you know how you know someone's mother tongue? If you go up to them and stomp on their toe, whatever comes out is their mother tongue. And for some of you, it may be blue. But anyway, <clears throat> so they say, you go down in the water and you beat up the water. And the fish get chuppy, chuppy, chuppy. You put your head down, tail stick up, pick it up, put it in the bag, and you go home. And that's what they said. So I got it. So son of a gun, if they didn't do it, they went in the water and they were pulling up handfuls of fish. So I went down in the water. I didn't realize God had put spears on the um, sides of these fish and I didn't get hard hands in seminary so it was a little tough and the, 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 the brackish you know water just stained my skin for days but anyway we got about a hundred fish and came home the point is if we hear the word of God if we hear what God tells us and we do nothing we're like a tilapia we put our head down in the sand and what's sticking up isn't all that pretty. <laughs> we need to be people who look in the mirror and say, yes, I want to follow God. I want my life to make a difference. I want to get into the word. I want to follow Jesus in the gospel. I want to proclaim. I want to do what God has called me to do. And God calls us all to do different things. The joy of living today and being in a room breathing is that we can change. We have an opportunity to change. It's not too late. As pastor to seniors in Fullerton Free, I do a lot of funerals, and they're wonderful. Funerals are the best services, much better than weddings. Weddings are high risk. You can drop the ring. You can call the husband, the wife. You can really mess it up. And it's high risk because no one listens to the pastor anyway. They're looking at the bride. But a funeral, everyone listens. Everyone stops. Everyone looks at death. And it's a wonderful place to share the good news and the hope of Jesus Christ. One of the stories I share is of Alfred Noble, who was a large businessman in Chicago. In fact, he owned all the dynamite in the U.S. at the time when the U.S. was using dynamite to do the railroads and the industrial complex that was going on. And Alfred Noble woke up one morning in his house in Chicago. He got the Chicago Tribune, and the front headline was, Alfred Noble, the king of dynamite, dead. And he thought, no, nope, not me. Fake news, but that's another story. No, it was his brother had died, and they got it wrong. But Alfred Noble looked and said, you know, I am known for the king of destruction. That's my legacy, and that's going to change today. Today we know Alfred Noble, the Nobel Peace Prize, Nobel Prize of Physics, Nobel Prize of Science, Biology, all of them. You don't know him as the king of dynamite. 
you know him as a wonderful philanthropist because he stopped and said, I'm going to change my life. And that's what Sunday mornings are about. We get a chance to sit here and go, okay, God, what do you want to change in me? What do you want to do? What are you speaking to me about? He speaks to all of us. He prompts us through his word. He prompts us through a message. He prompts us through something that comes to our mind. But he wants to speak to you today. He wants to tell you something today. You're not here by accident. You're here because God brought you here. What is God saying to you today? Let's bow in prayer together. And as we close, I'd like to ask you four questions that I want you to ponder. Number one, are you a follower of Jesus? Have you said yes to following Jesus? Now, you may look like you're following Jesus. Mr. Park told me he was five years in church before he became a Christian. We can look like it. But have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he has died for your sins? You've accepted his gift of salvation. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you believe? You need to. Number two, are you reading the word? Jesus told his disciples, ah, it's got to be based in the scriptures. Now, we all feel guilty about that. Of course, we could read more. I should memorize more. I wish I was a navigator. I could memorize better, uh, whatever it is. But no, are, are you reading his word? Do you see it in your house as the living word of the God of creation? Number three, are you passing it on? Are you taking opportunities to share? Again, we can feel guilty. We shouldn't. God wants us to pass it on. He wants us to look for opportunities. Number four, are you in for life? Have you slowed down? Or are you still taking swings? God wants us in for life. Father, we thank you for your word, the clarity of your word. Thank you for this church, the faithfulness of the proclamation of the gospel. I thank you for this past year's Christmas outreach that this church done, which is just legendary, from the choirs to the lining up of people, going car to car. God, you used this group in a marvelous way this past year. May we not slow down. Pedal to the metal. We want to go on. So bless them, Father. Bring people into our lives this week that are hungry for a word from you. Make us people of your word. Fill our hearts with joy. May you continue to bless this place for your glory, I pray, my Father. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.